The following sermon by Nelson Atwood was recorded at Noble Park Evangelical Baptist Church. For more information, please visit their website at www.noblebaptist.org.au That's www.noblebaptist.org.au We'll take your Bibles again this morning to the book of Exodus and Exodus chapter 25 and verses 31 to 40 and we'll read them together and ask for God's blessing. Exodus 25 beginning at verse 31 the Bible says, Then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand and its base and its shaft are to be made of hammered work. Its cups, its bulbs and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. Six branches shall go out from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from its one side, and three branches of the lampstand from its other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms in the one branch, a bulb and a flower, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms in the other branch, a bulb and a flower, so for six branches going out from the lampstand. And in the lampstand, four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers." A bulb shall be under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it, for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. Their bulbs and their branches shall be of one piece with it. All of it shall be one piece of hammered work of pure gold. Then you shall make it in lamps, its lamps, sorry, seven in number, and they shall mount its lamps so as to shed light on the space in front of it. Its snuffers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made from a talent of pure gold from, with all these utensils. See that you make them after the pattern for them which was shown to you on the mountain. And then if you flip over to chapter 30, and we'll read just two verses there. And the Bible says in verse 7 and 8 of Exodus 30, Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. When Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. There shall be a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. And we trust that God will add blessing to the reading of his word. Let's again seek for God's help this morning. Loving Father, we thank you and we praise you, O God, for your word. We thank you, O God, for the richness of its truth. Father, we thank you for how clearly it points us to Jesus Christ. And Father, this morning, as we consider what it means to live as shining lights, living lights in a dark world, Father, we pray that your voice would teach us and speak to us, that we would hear what you would have to say to us this morning. We ask you, O God, for your help, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In God's presence is life and light. God is the author and giver and sustainer of life. God dwells in unapproachable light, and his light shines into darkness, and darkness cannot overpower it. And We live in a dark world. Death surrounds us on every side. Darkness surrounds us on every side. And God has called us to live as shining, living lights in a dark world. Consider some of the things that are going on in our world. 
We have governments in our country and around the world now considering and, and working to bring in laws to grant full-term abortion. Homosexuality and the acceptance of same-sex marriage is, is increasing on all sides. It is an abomination to God, and it insults Him as men and women commit such immoral acts. We see immorality in our leadership lying and deception. We see brazen defiance and disbelief in God. I heard a story the other day about a young man who was found wearing a t-shirt, looking forward to Jesus coming again. And on the backside, the words were, this time we'll get him. It beggars belief. This is a dark world that we are called to live in. This is a world that wants little or nothing to do with the living God. And God has called His people, us, believers in Jesus Christ, those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, know and love His Word, to be living lights in a dark world that is dying every day. We remember as we've studied the tabernacle that we can see back in uh, Exodus 20, we saw how God gave them the law, his covenant rules, and it was to be deposited in the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of Testimony. And the truth there was that a relationship with God will always be on the basis of his truth and his law and his word. We saw in Exodus 25, verses 10 to 22, that uh, God described the Ark of the Testimony and its, its construction to Moses. And we saw there how it is a throne, an earthly pattern of a throne that was based on a heavenly reality. And the truth there for us is this. Our God is enthroned, and one of the ways in which we have a relationship with God, one of the ways that we shine as living lights in this world is by submission to God as our ultimate authority. We saw in Exodus 25, verses 17 to 21, that God described the mercy seat on top of the ark. And the truth there that is preached to us is that God's anger must be satisfied. It must be turned away first and foremost. One of the problems about the world in which we live is we see all the problems as how they affect us. We see all the sin of those around us as how it affects them, ourselves are our first point of reference. And yet the Bible makes it clear that God's anger and God's holiness is the first point of reference. If we are to be living lights shining in this world, in a dark world, we must be in submission to God's authority. We must know what it is to have our sin removed. We must know what it is to have fellowship. And we saw last week in Exodus 25, verses 23 to 30, and God describes a table of showbread, and that showbread with the heavy, massive loaves of bread piled high, always continual in His presence. It was a testimony, it was a celebration that God had provided for His people, fellowship with His people. God delights to fellowship with us. We are going to shine as lights in a dark world, as living lights on the basis of the fellowship that we have with the living God. Well, now we arrive at our text for today. In Exodus 25, 31 to 40, God describes the construction of the lampstand. 
God designed it to resemble an olive tree. And as I meditated on this this description throughout the week, it occurred to me that God also designed it to resemble branches protruding from a vine, like Jesus says in John chapter 15. The lampstand was ornamented with almond blossoms and blossoms and fruit motifs and, and buds there. It was made from pure gold, hammered out over wooden molds to create the lampstand today would cost something like 2.7 million Australian dollars. I want you to notice that there are no sizes or dimensions given. Bezalel had freedom as to how big and tall he made it. He knew he had to use the full talent of gold, 32.3 kilograms of gold in order to make it. That's all he knew. And this basic description was given to him. Notice that the lampstand was set up inside the veil to provide light by which the priests could work and minister. It was set up to shine across the tabernacle tent from one side to the other, shining upon the table of showbread. Riken and Hughes in their great commentary describe the front curtains of the tent folded back so that although the people of Israel who were not priests, could not go inside the holy place. They could see inside when those uh, curtains were folded back and the blazing light from that lampstand on a dark night, it would have shone out into the darkness and lit up that whole courtyard. At night, the lampstand would have been the brightest light in the whole camp of the people of Israel. So what meaning, what message does the lampstand convey to us? And remember, it was to be constructed according to the pattern shown to Moses on the mountain. But we see there's a couple of symbolic elements. It was a tree-like shape. There were almond tree ornaments, buds, blossoms, and flowers, and uh, fruit there, all on the, the branches on the central stem. There was oil to be used to fuel and fire the lamps. There was the light that was given to illumine the, the table and the altar of incense. There was the intent for the light to shine into the darkness. And there are two main truths I want us to consider this morning. First of all, in God's presence, there is life, life. And secondly, in God's presence, there is light. We, if we are to be living lights shining into a dark world, we must know what it is to have the life of God. And secondly, if we are to be living lights shining in a, live, in a dark world, we must be shining the light of the Spirit of God in us. And we'll see that a little later this morning. So why shape it like a tree? Why ornament it in that way? The point of God's design is to remind them that in God's presence, there is life, life. There are almond buds and blossoms and fruit all simultaneously displaying three stages of that tree's life, overflowing with fruit. They were continually there. The images so powerfully portray life. There's no more powerful image than a very fresh blooming flower across from my office. Uh, in the side yard of our house, there is a giant rose tree. stands about eight and a half, nine feet tall. It's about four feet across the top, and it's absolutely loaded with pink rose blossoms. And on a windy day, if you open the window, the fragrance is almost intoxicating. It's so strong that it comes off that. Fresh, ripe fruit ready to be picked and eaten. It all shouts life. And this lampstand 
with its shining lights on top and its fruit blossoms and buds all over the stem of it, it just shouted that in God's presence there is life. It would have reminded them that God delivered them from the angel of death and gave them life. That life shining and uh, figured in those parts of the lampstand would have reminded them that God had delivered them from through the Red Sea and given them life. God, in accepting the atonement offering each year, had given them life and acceptance and reconciliation. Of course, we know it points only to Christ, who is the ultimate giver of life and forgiveness. God declares from that lampstand and from the bread on which it shined its light, God declares, I have given you life. Eat of me and live. Stand in my presence and know my life. And the fruit ornaments all over the lampstand declared, there's life in God. The Bible all the way through from Genesis to Revelation describes God as the author and sustainer of life. In Jeremiah 10, verse 10, he is the living God. In 1 Timothy 6, 13, God is the source of all life. In the presence of God is life. And the question must be asked, how do we experience that life in God's presence? Notice the order of the construction. It started with the Ark of the Covenant and the, t- the seat of mercy seat. And then it went to bread. Then it went to the lampstand. We must first deal with God as the absolute authority. We must deal with God whose anger must be appeased. And then we can know what it is to have fellowship. And we can know what it is to abide in God's presence, knowing his life and his light. But the truth is, and we can see it from John three, sixteen to 19. And you can turn and read that if you would like to. God is enthroned, not just on the mercy seat of the ark in the, in the tabernacle. He is enthroned over all existence. He is the sovereign king and God. God gave all of us, not just Israel, but all of us, his law, his word. He didn't just write it on stone tablets. Romans 2, verses 14 to 16, tell us that he wrote it on our hearts, our conscience. And from a small child to an old man, we all know the prick and sting of conscience when we commit deeds that are wrong, when we fail to do the things that we ought to do. And we all, all of us, have disobeyed God's word, God's will, and God's law. We are all. All of us are under the sentence of eternal death for disobedience. I was reading in Ezekiel 18 just a couple days ago. The soul that sins shall surely die in the day that you eat thereof. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, you will surely die. We have broken God's command and we stand under the sentence of death. But God... Those great words in Ephesians 2. But God has given Christ to be the once for all atoning sacrifice. Christ has suffered. His blood has been shed. He's offered his blood for our sin. God has seen and accepted Christ's suffering as sufficient for all. God now calls all mankind, every single one. Why are we to shine as lights in a dark world? We're to shine as lights, not so that we can recognize that we're better than everybody else, 
Not so we can keep ourselves tucked away, out of sight, up on a city, on a hill, locked away, uh, prevented from being seen. We're to shine as lights in a dark world to declare that there is life in God's presence, that God is calling all mankind to turn away from disobeying his word. God calls all mankind now to believe in him, to trust him and love him. Jesus said it. In John 6 and verse 40, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. We who trust in Christ as our Lamb of God who died for us all, we will be saved from death, we'll be saved from eternal life in hell, in God's presence, knowing God's salvation, there is eternal life. And just like the branches of the lampstand that were of one piece with the main central branch, so we will be joined to Christ. We will be saved from God's final judgment of the wicked when he sends them to hell. We are all, we are now, the moment we believe, reconciled to God, immediately knowing God's peace. We shine. We are called to shine as living lights in a dark world so that not only may we know peace, but those outside may also come to know the peace of God. We will enjoy fellowship pictured by the bread that they ate. We sit down. We just remember the Lord in communion. We took bread and we broke it and we partook of it and we shared. Well, in a normal church service, we would share it one to the other and we celebrate the fellowship that we have with each other, but far better with God himself. We're filled with God's Holy Spirit That lampstand standing on one side of the tabernacle tent filled with oil, burning the lights there. It was a picture of God's Holy Spirit filling both the Lord Jesus Christ as his anointed Messiah and as we'll see, us as his believers, as his disciples. We'll enjoy spiritual life and fruitfulness like the almond buds and blossoms and and fruit there. It all shouted that there is fruitfulness and life in God's presence. We can have life in God's presence if we would trust in Christ. Do you want to know? Do you really want to know what it is to truly live? Not just to exist but to get up and run through the rat race on the hamster wheel of life and to finish it up exhausted, tired, and, and, and taking nothing with you. Do you want to know what it is to truly live? Then the answer is this. There is life eternal in God's presence. How do we do it? How do we experience that? We turn away from sin. We turn toward God in faith and repentance. We seek His forgiveness. We ask for God's forgiveness for the disobedience of the law of God that's written in our hearts. And we cry out to God. We say that Jesus has died. We claim His blood as the offering for our sin. And we trust in Him to keep the promises He has made in His Word. The Bible And the story of the lampstand and its oil and its gold and its bulbs and branches and blossoms and flowers, it all describes and declares to us that in God's presence there is life. But the lampstand also symbolizes that there is light 
in God's presence. The oil lamps were there to shed light on the table in the holy place. The Israelites looked into the tabernacle and tent would have been reminded that during the plague of darkness, they had light provided by God. They would have been reminded that when Egypt pursued them out into the desert, there was light on their side of the cloud that separated them from the Egyptians. And later, as Moses came back down from God's presence on Mount Sinai, his face shone because in God's presence is his radiating light of glory. In Hebrews chapter 1, it describes the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the the brightness, the uh, effulgence of God's glory. In God's presence, there is the light of glory. The Bible tells us that God himself is light. The lampstand would have reminded them of a great biblical truth. God is light. In Psalm 104 and verse 2, the Bible says, The Lord covers himself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Not only is God himself light, his blessings are light. Often it's described as God's blessings are the light of his face or his countenance shining on us. In Psalm 4 and verse 6, the psalmist asks, Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. The psalmist understood that true blessing, true goodness was to experience God's face turned to look upon him. The brightness, the light of his face turned on him was of the greatest blessing. Those priests who were able to go into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but though into the but into the holy of place, they knew the blessing of the light of God's face toward them. Behind that veil, the presence of God's Shekinah glory dwelt there. And standing in that holy place, they were in the presence of God, feeling the heat and the brightness of that light. They would have known what it was to be experiencing the blessing of God's lightness. Isaiah 66 and verse 2. One of those great Bible verses we all should learn and meditate on says, To this one I will look, or if you like, to this one I will turn my face, he who is humble and contrite of heart and trembles at my word. The blessings of the light of God's face is turned on us, all of us who are humble and contrite before him. Brother and sister in Christ. God has called us to be living lights in a dark world. In order to do that, we must know what it is to have the light of his face turned toward us. In order to have that, we must be humble and contrite of heart. How are we going to shine as bright lights? It's not by flashy shows. It's not by multi-million dollar performances and, and all of that stuff. It's by the light of the Holy Spirit shining through us. It's by humility and contrition for sin. It's by faith in God. What sets us apart from the world is not the bigness of our show or how much like the world's performances we can put on. It is true humility before God. 
It is contrition for sin. It is faith in him. It is being filled with his spirit, as we'll see in a moment. That the fruit of the spirit, like those almond buds and blossoms and flowers and all that stuff, like he was on the lampstand, so it should ornament our lives. Notice that those fruit elements ornamented the lampstand. So the fruit of the Spirit must ornament our lives. God's blessings are light. The faith, <coughs> excuse me, the blessings of the light of God's face turn toward us who are humble and contrite. His face shining on us, the Spirit of God in us is what will set us apart and enable us to live as shining lights in a dark world. You know, as I thought about this picture of the lampstand and, and the where it's set up in the tabernacle, the visual image that keeps coming to my mind, I can see it every time I think about it, is if I was standing outside the tabernacle tent to one side. It's at nighttime and the tent curtains are folded back. And the light of that lampstand reflecting off all the gold inside that place is blazing out into the darkness and lighting up everything that it hits. God's light shines into the darkness. God has called us to be living lights shining into a dark world. How do we shine? How do we shine as God's lights in a dark world? We do so as spirit-filled lights in a dark world. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible tells us that Christ came filled with and led by the Holy Spirit of God. The oil that filled that lampstand uh, speaks of Christ filled with the Spirit of God. All through the Bible, the, the idea of oil is symbolic of the Spirit of God. Anointing with oil is symbolic of being filled with the Spirit. Christ is the anointed one and He is filled with the Spirit of God. The lampstand branches... To me, as I've already said, speak of us as believers, branches fastened and grafted into the vine who is Christ, filled with the same Spirit of God as He was filled with. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus promised the Spirit to be with us and in us, filling us and sealing us as it was in Him. The light itself, that the light that burns, it speaks of the evidence and the work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who points us to Christ. Just as the lamp and its lights shone across the tent and pointed to the bread on the table, so the Holy Spirit points us to Christ. The light of the Holy Spirit reminds us of Christ and the things that He has said. The Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin and wrongdoing. The Holy Spirit that bring forth, brings forth spiritual fruit in our lives to testify that He is present within us. The light is symbolic of knowledge and truth. To summarize all that we've said before we bring a couple of points of application. The lampstand is symbolic of key truths. In God's presence is life, abundant, eternal life. In God's presence, secondly, is light, knowledge, and truth. The presence of the Holy Spirit burning and shining and pointing to Christ. 
The lampstand points us to Christ, who is the light of men. The lampstand points us to Christ, who is the source and giver of life. And we experience this life from God and live in his life by live in his light, sorry, by believing in him, by trusting in him, by being filled with the Holy Spirit like a lamp that is filled with oil. Now, all through the week, as I studied and thought and prepared for this, the verse that really came up more often than not wasn't the passage in Exodus 25. It's actually the verses in Exodus 30, verses 7 and 8. The lamps were to be trimmed in the morning and the evening. Now, I understand that to mean the oil was to be topped up in the bowl, the lamp. The wick itself was to be trimmed off to ensure that the lamp burned without smoke. Uh, insufficient oil and an excess of the wick, or as I understand it, would result in an excessively smoky, unclear, shadowy kind of light. And the priest who came in to minister must ensure that the light was shining brightly. Now here's the point. You and I, as New Testament believers in Christ, are all priests. We have a priestly function to fulfill. And one of those, two of those in particular are this, to ensure that the light of the knowledge of God shines brightly through us so that others see it so that we portray Christ to God and Christ to each other and Christ to a watching world like a light that shines brightly. Secondly, we are to ensure that nothing of ourselves is there to hinder that light from shining in us and out from us. We are to be children of light, walking in the light, shining as living lights in a dark world. We're to be children of light, shining the light of Christ. We're to like little lamps, each of us, filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit, burning hot and bright, so that anyone who sees us glorifies not us, but Christ, recognizing that that light that shines out of us is not because of you and me. It's because of Christ in us. Jesus said, in Matthew 5, 16, he said, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify not us, but our Father who is in heaven. And here comes the hard point, the question we need to answer. Brother and sister, is your lamp shining brightly? Brother and sister in Christ, let me ask you, does your lamp need to be trimmed? In other words, is there a little too much of self in the way, like that burnt wick, so that the oil of the Holy Spirit is unable to burn brightly? If you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 30, Paul gives a, sh a series of short, quick, brief commands talks about laying aside lies and speaking truth. In the middle of those list of commands, I, I count here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I think it's nine or ten of them. Right in the middle, there is this one, don't grieve the Spirit. So let me think of it this way. Let's, let's consider it this way. We live in a dark world. 
a world that accepts lying and deception. We make a big stink about the fact that we don't like it, but largely we accept it. And the reality is that lies and deception hinder the Spirit of God from burning brightly in us. He says to not be, to be angry without sin. He says don't steal. He says don't use rotten words. Brother and sister in Christ, if we are to shine brightly in a world that accepts foul and filthy language, in a world that accepts profanity, in a world that accepts harsh, critical, unkind language and words, if we are to shine brightly as living lights for Christ in this world, then we cannot be those who use literally rotten words, bad language. We're to put away bitterness and wrath and anger, because the, the, the use of the indulgence is a better word, the indulgence of bitterness, indulging in wrath, it hinders our light from shining in a world. If we hold on to anger, anger against our brother, anger against our parents, anger against governments and all sorts of things, that hinders the Spirit of God from shining in us, from burning in us. And brother and sister, there is a call on your life and my life. This is not all about you. This is about us stopping and thinking about what hinders the Spirit of God. How are we going to be a testimony to a world that is absolutely dark? It loves the darkness because its deeds are evil. That's what the book of John tells us. If we are to shine as lights like that lampstand that shone out into the darkness, we must deal with these things. And in contrast, Galatians 5 Verses 22 and 23, I believe they are, describe the fruit of the Spirit. When we see love that shines out of us, not the natural love, but an unnatural, Holy Spirit-fired love, that's when we shine like lights in a dark place. When, when joy shines out of us, Joy in spite of difficult circumstances, joy in spite of problems and troubles and difficulties. It doesn't mean that the problems, troubles, and difficulties are going to go away. It's being in, it's rejoicing in God in spite of those circumstances. That's the Spirit of God shining in us. Do we want to make an impact in this world? I know I do. And even as I'm preaching and as I'm thinking through these things again, it's late on Saturday night and I'm preaching this message again because it, it just didn't sit right. And it convicts me that how easy my joy is robbed and destroyed and broken down by the circumstances that we go through. If we want to see this world changed, if we want to shine like lights in a dark world, it's the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us. It's the light of the Spirit of God shining brightly through each of us. Brother and sister in Christ, does your oil need refilling? Now, hold on, I'm not talking about second fillings of the Spirit or multiple fillings of the Spirit. I'm talking about praying for an ever-increasing influence of the Spirit of God in our lives. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk, but be continually filled with the Spirit. As I understand, that's, how it, it, it's, that's the sense of it there. Be continually filled with the Spirit. Christian, let us light our... Sorry. Christ told us to let our lights shine. 
And so we pray for the continual increasing influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that he might shine through us to those around us. We take care to keep the wick trimmed, to put off the old man. We take care to pray for the continual increasing influence of the Holy Spirit. Brother and sister, we live in a dark world. You turn on the TV, you pick up a newspaper, you read what's going on in our nation and around the world. There is a hopelessness and there's a despair in people. We're seeing suicide on ever-increasing thing. The COVID-19 is part of that for sure. There is economic troubles. There's family troubles. There's all sorts of troubles. And all of it is the evidence and result of sin that's overpowering this world. This world is a dark place, and yet God has called us to shine as living lights in a dark world. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it by trusting in Christ. We're going to do it by repenting of sin. We're going to do it by allowing the Spirit of God to shine in us. We're going to do it by putting off the old man, deliberately, willfully choosing not to sin, not to let sin reign in our lives, and deliberately, willfully submitting ourselves to God, the Holy Spirit, that He might shine in us. May God help us to do it. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank You and we praise You again for Your grace and for Your goodness. Father, we thank You for the fact that You have raised us up and given us new life, life in your presence. Father, we thank you for the fellowship that we have in your very presence through the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for Christ who came to shine as a light in a dark world. Father, we thank you that the darkness could not overcome him, overwhelm him. Father, we thank you that he has prevailed. And Father, we thank you that he has called us to be lights in a dark world. Father, help us to live as sons and daughters of life. Help us to live with the Spirit of God shining and burning brightly in us and through us. Father, we plead with you for your help, and we do so in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. I think for the sake of time, we'll just dispense with our, our final hymn this morning. And from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, these three verses, it's kind of long, but it's a great way to conclude the service. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in, a pro in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him, to him be the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. To Christ, to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords, to the Lord our God, be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. God bless you all. I hope you have a great day, and I hope that we will see each other and be worshiping together face-to-face, side-by-side, very soon. Have a lovely day.